It's time for the council for Greg Bishop in the council roundup. It's time for Greg Bishop in the council roundup. It's close, but you didn't do the horse noise. Gotta have the horse noise in there. All right, it's the council roundup. Each and every Wednesday, if there's a council meeting Tuesday right here in Springfield, we'll get you the latest. And even if you don't live in Springfield and you're listening on 92.7 for WMAY, uh, you likely come to Springfield to shop and a variety of other things and spend tax dollars here. So it's good to know how that money's being spent. And that's actually where we start the council roundup and how that money's being spent. Uh, there was uh, an auditor there last night to do um, kind of a review of the city's comprehensive annual financial report. Yay! It's everybody's favorite thing to talk about. Thousands of pages, hundreds of line items, and it uh, actually, <laughs> it's an important document because that's the most accurate telling of how tax dollars are spent sure. in any governing body. A comprehensive annual financial report. Uh, Illinois has them. Uh, they're usually delayed quite a bit, but uh, this is for uh, the previous fiscal year that ended in March. So they had an auditor there last night. Let's go ahead and hear uh, who that is. My name is Joe Lightcap. I'm a partner with Baker Tilly. Um, we performed your um, comprehensive annual financial audit this year. All right. So um, some good news to share. We once again issued a clean or unmodified opinion on the city's financial statements. It's the highest level of assurance you can gain from your outside nice. auditors. and states that everything's reasonable in all material respects and could be reasonably relied upon by an outside user of the financial statements. All right. You know, hey, good bill of health there. That's, that's a thumbs up, right? Yeah. Got to love that. Initial reaction from Alderwoman Conley. I said it's nice to have good news. Yeah. Good news. It's nice to have good news. Yep, that is good news. All right. It's good news all around. Until Alderman McMiniman uh, takes the microphone. <laughs> I hate to break the good news, but the no. um, as far as our police and fire pension funds. No, of course. And everybody right now who knows Alderman McMiniman's like, of course he brings up pensions. That's something McMiniman's been screaming about for years. I know. And it's the whole not, time he's been on the council. It's not really been addressed. He talks about some of the debt and how this comprehensive annual financial report, yeah, it might look great. And the auditors are like, hey, all the numbers are there. They didn't necessarily give you a, you know, the 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 increased pension debt that there is, right? Sure. Uh, and that's what McMiniman <laughs> surely immediately thumbed his nose over to. It's a boom right there. That's the number I'm looking this at. Report shows a increase in the debt load by $44 million. Ooh, and that's for police and fire pensions. He uh, uh, breaks that out even further. Police grew from $169 million to $207 million. That's $169 to $207 million. And the fire grew from $185 million to $191 million. So the pension debt continues to increase for Springfield fire and police fighters, so or uh, police officers. So how are we going to deal with this? Especially given the fiscal realities that we see um, because of uh, the COVID-19 government orders, limiting business activity, which limits tax dollars coming in. I know some people, it's difficult to understand, but you can't have services. You can't pay off government debt if you don't have any economic activity. It's just, you can't do it. Sure. Because the economic activity drives those tax dollars. Regardless, uh, Mayor Jim Langfelder laid out how uh, they hope to address this in the future with uh, the General Assembly. 
the importance not only for Springfield but other municipalities to uh, move the ramp out, just like we refinance our mortgage in times of uh, difficulties. Uh, this would be no different. It would be an opportune time to do that. We'd still retain our obligation, but moving it out to 2050 would uh, match us up to other retirement funds uh, throughout the state, but also provide relief so we can uh, eat into the unfunded liability better than what's uh, occurring right now. Some people hear that, then they think, man, it's just kicking the can down the road. If you're going to extend the pension ramp and extend, uh, you know, 10 more years as to how much to fully fund it, now you're going to kick the can down the road. What happens if there's another coronavirus in three or four years? Sure. What happens if there's uh, another economic catastrophe? Banks fail, housing crisis, student loan debt crisis. What happens? Well, are we going to continue to kick that can down the road? And some would argue as well, uh, maybe it's time to look at uh, other types of retirement plans. Instead mm-hmm. of a defined uh, benefit, having some kind of defined contribution. Yep. Well, I, I've said it since 1995. We can't sustain what we're doing right now. We have to change the system. We can't take away from people that have already earned their pension. You right. know, we can't change the Promises rules. Promises made, it. absolutely. Promises made, we have to keep. But we've got to make new hires get on a 401k and not a pension there's been, plan. There's anymore. really been no movement towards that at all. No. Either on the local level or on the, the state level. And hearing... Um, Let's see, where am I at? On my notes, Inspector General. Inspector General. Uh, So here's the Inspector General last night. If you aren't aware, the um, Springfield City Government does have an Inspector General, and you can file complaints there. Citizens can file complaints as well. We'll hear a couple of those coming up. But first, uh, the Inspector General laid out a complaint they got about a CWLP scam, Chris. We've heard about this before in the past, where uh, a retired CWLP worker devises a way to to change their uh, meter to cut back on how much power they report they're using so they lower their power bill. Well, that's what uh, the inspector general said uh, he got a call on for this particular type of scam at CWLP. Here he is. Uh, so to track this down, CWLP placed a separate meter on the power pole adjacent to respondents' home uh, to independently monitor electrical usage. So they investigated. Uh, CWLP engineers explained to me how you can somehow wire your house. I didn't understand it, oh. and if I did, I wouldn't put it in a public report yeah. to educate people how to do that. Come on. He's not going to tell people yeah, how really. this... Just like the old cable <laughs> filter. Remember those things that used right. to, to put the cable filter in? <laughs> right. It's probably written somewhere in the anarchist cookbook. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, with these new smart meters, though, I don't think you can toy with those. There was not a significant enough differential uh, compared to prior usage. Uh, compared to the actual usage measured uh, at the poll uh, to uh, prove that there had been underreporting. So they couldn't find any uh, problems there. Uh, And he said that there were some options, though, if there were problems. Had I found a significant differential, my procedure would be to turn it over to the Sangamon County State's Attorney for theft of services prosecution. 
But that didn't happen. Uh, they closed that. So um, just one of those things where, uh, you know, they get a complaint. They've got to look into it. And uh, that's what they did. And they didn't find anything. The inspector general went on to talk about he got uh, contacted by some federal inspectors general uh, that were looking into questions about the use of TIF money in Enos Park from back in like 2016. He said that, uh, that they already looked into that and they didn't find anything suspicious. So they pretty much closed that out as well. Another one concerns a citizen that addressed the council who felt disrespected by an alderman and they complained to the inspector general that she felt that she was treated rudely by alderman hanauer and sent me four video links uh, to meetings which i asked if there were others and that was all that she would provide and a little bit more on that complainant was admonished for exceeding the five-minute time limit on public comment. Basically, while the exchanges uh, were not overly friendly, I would not characterize them as rude or hostile. Therefore, no follow-up action is called for. So he went on to give recommendations about... um how aldermen should uh, conduct themselves during these hearings, during these meetings, and in particular, uh, sticking to the rules for citizens. And as much as when they are allowed to address the committee, uh, they need to essentially be held to the rules. Kind of makes sense, right? Sure. Uh, there was another incident with uh, Alderwoman Turner that uh, the Inspector General brought up, but then he also got into another issue, and these were all unfounded. Um, we heard this, and the debate got kind of heated before. Encourage you to enforce your rules and time limits. Okay, let's go to this one here, this clip. Regarding a topic brought up by Alderman DeCenzo. The boat parades. All right, yes. somebody complained about the discussion about boat parades. Regarding a topic brought up by Alderman DeCenzo, Alderman asked if there were permits required to stage a boat parade on Lake Springfield. It uh, appears that a presidential candidate supporters had boat parades across the country, and one occurred at Lake Springfield. A discussion ensued, and Corporation Council indicated that that was a political gathering and free speech considerations uh, had to be acknowledged. But ultimately, he said no finding in that either. That concluded his report. So a couple of reports there up front. Um, It's always good to hear from the inspector general. Coming back, we'll... uh, It's almost like a Schultz report. I see nothing, I hear nothing. Here's what I was uh, told to investigate. I looked around and didn't find anything. Case is closed. Thanks, people. I don't know how I do it, but I do it. Two and a half hour meeting condensed down into three segments on live radio. Holy cow. Well, look what you did to your body. It's no wonder why. (laughs) Condense anything, dude. That's right. It's the Council Roundup, brought to you by Head West Sub Stop. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. It's right here with WMAY. Stay informed, stay connected. The Council meets Tuesday. We have the Council Roundup Wednesday. I'm Greg Bishop, Chris Murphy in the newsroom, and bringing you the latest action. What happened last night in that two-and-a-half-hour meeting? A whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Of course, we heard an audit report of sorts saying, hey, things look good. All the numbers are there uh, for the comprehensive uh, annual financial reports. But McMiniman, uh, Alderman Board 7, ultimately saying, listen, uh, good news. Sure, we got the numbers where they need to be, but uh, those uh, pension debts continue to increase. Something that uh, city leaders really do need to get a handle on. Uh, We also heard about uh, the Inspector General and their reports. But let's get into actual city business here where you've got uh, one measure. Oh, don't tell me I lost my place. Come on. 
I've got a system here that I like to somehow set up, and let's see if we got this. Okay. Yeah, welcome to that computer. Yeah, uh, is this uh, Alderman Hanauer? Let's see. Yeah. We'll say that we... we- We'll say that we we do need to act on this. Okay, yes, it is. Great. Okay, woo. Good thing I uh, separated it. All right, so Alderman Hanauer has been talking about this contract with Sangamon County Public Health, and it's been about animal control. It's a contract that apparently uh, we're already months into. Mm -hmm. (laughs) City leaders haven't approved it yet. It's still hanging out in committee. They're still trying to hash out the details. It's $300-plus for animal control. Wow. We'll say that we, we do need to act on this fairly soon. So I, my intent is no more delays. Um, so if there's any other conversation with the county, we need to do it sooner than later. Um, they're, we're already three quarters of the way through the year. Right. They're doing the work. And so we need to finish this. So I don't think they actually have finished it yet. So we may hear more about that, but they left it there. Uh, moving on, a conversation about buying up properties as part of rail relocation and rail improvements. This has been a sticky point for the past month and a half or so. Uh, it's been brought up multiple times. And Alderman McMiniman has been adamant that, uh, you know, we shouldn't be focusing on things that may be 10 years down the road uh, and instead focusing on things that are happening right now with rail relocation. Recall now that 19th 19- Street doesn't have anything to do with railroad relocation. It has to do with railroad improvement, and we all want railroad improvement, but we're committed. And he says they're committing to buying properties that aren't going to be dealt with for years. Mm-hmm. And why not look at some of the properties that are being impacted right now? Um, but there are issues with uh, you know, the, the owners of these properties may have uh, hardships. They may find themselves in, in need of getting out of where they're at, uh, and the city wants to move forward with that. And that's what Alderwoman Turner is ultimately uh, saying. I disagree with Alderman McMenamin when he says that, um, th- that the 19th Street is not part of the uh, railroad relocation. As I stated last week, it is most definitely part and parcel of the railroad relocation um it so uh they moved forward with this uh, despite uh, alderman hanauer saying listen the price of these properties is not going to decrease housing prices don't decrease well, i don't know i think uh if you've got a railroad that's getting ready to impact the property it's yeah. probably going to decrease the property price, and i gotta right? believe 19th too you know if you're consolidating that's where the trains are going to be shooting out you right. know you know on that uh, you know just north of the dairy queen there you know that's 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 uh, there's a lot of uh, planning involved here yeah, uh, and sure if you're going to be you know, transferring over to one track the other track's going to be impacted and that impacts a whole bunch of houses as well all the women so adamant though on not supporting any um uh, purchases until her board is dealt with the homeowners that are in occupied homes whose homes have been damaged whose lives have been disrupted i am not voting for any new acquisitions period and i have discussed that with my colleagues and i know you understand where i'm coming from and i know you understand my frustration um, and how disappointed i am and how the city has treated the people of ward six they went ahead with that anyways uh moving on to other action that they took last night they got done with all their business but there was new business and part of that was renewing an extended contract for city employee health care now, we've had this in place for a while, Chris, where there's like a clinic city employees can go to that's devoted just to city employee uh, health care. Here's sure. somebody that's on that uh, health care committee. Hello, uh, Mike Allwood, IVW rep on the uh, insurance committee. So Mike lays out there that uh, what they have right now is working and 
there were bids from other places. As previously we talked about this, other aldermen said that there weren't any bids. Well, there were. Way more robust. They included primary care physicians. They included x-ray services. All of these robust services came with a very robust price. And so they decided to stick with what they have because, he said, the status quo is working and their employees like it. Our employees love it. They are utilizing it. It's making a difference in the health of our, our plan, and that's reflected in our annual renewals. So this wasn't up for final action, but Alderman McMiniman said, hmm, we should go ahead and act on this tonight. Put this on the debate agenda tonight for a possible passage vote tonight to get this behind us so you can move on and, and do what needs to be done with our employees to let them know the programs available and and there were concerns about delaying it any further just because it would pinch the office even more if it's a couple of weeks out and they still don't have this in place because they got open enrollment coming up and a whole host of other things sure so there was a motion to amend it that didn't have any support so they went ahead and moved on it and they approved it uh moving on uh one more thing here that i wanted to bring up before we talk about halloween um alderman hanauer he read off sections of a letter from the illinois municipal league dealing with covid relief one of the things they have highlighted is it's all payroll uh for eligible employees i.e public public safety and public health personnel as defined above from march 1st to december 31st will qualify as an eligible expense any fringe benefit costs, which comes as a Ooh. contingent cost on payroll, are also included. So, so that's that's a good news. Good news for for us. Oh, how good news is it? That's uh, here's Budget Director McCarty. They did ask us to adjust it. We did adjust it down, and we submitted for the full 4.8 million allotment that we have oh boy. at their request. But certainly, we we have much more than 4.8 million in public safety payroll costs. So we have submitted. The conversations are going, and yes, there's a possibility that that will allow us to utilize and tap into the entirety of the 4.8 million. I just didn't want to say anything yet until I got final confirmation on it. I know how excited the mayor gets, and <laughs> I didn't want to tell him quite yet, but now he knows. Now he knows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the mayor's reaction to that and kind of uh, piggybacking off of what we talked about uh, earlier in the show about the, the next round of COVID relief from the feds. More likely that might happen after the election uh, where we would be, uh, cities would just receive additional funding that could include uh, revenue reimbursement, but time will tell on that. <laughs> time yeah. will tell on that. Isn't that something, though? You, you pointed that out greatly. You know, the state spends it thinking they're going to get it, while Springfield is doesn't spend it because they know they might not get it and right. is pleasantly surprised when they get it. Yeah. That's the way you run a government. That's the way you run it, right. Uh, and then finally, everybody's waiting for this, Chris. Uh-huh. Here's old woman DeCenso. Have we established trick-or-treating hours for the city yet? We will have an announcement tomorrow. What we're trying to do is coordinate it with the uh, villages, you know, like Jerome, Leland Grove, Southern View, and Grandview. So they'll uh, confirm tomorrow. So we hope to get everybody on the same page um, with regards to hours and the process. So it's consistent. So expect that today. All right. I don't know. The newsroom needs to give the mayor's office a call and find out what the, uh, the dilly is, yo. That's your council roundup here with WMAY brought to you by Head West Subs. Each and every Wednesday, we digest what happens at Springfield City Council meeting and they give it to you on a silver platter. Kind of like the platters you can get from Head West Subs. 
When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. I'm Greg Bishop, and this is WMAY.